Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Together for Equality podcast, a podcast created to provide insights and share ideas on how to build a more inclusive and equal society, be better professionals, and build greater organizations. My name is Beatrice, and I'm a second year business administration student, and I'll be leading this episode together with our special guest. In today's episode, we will talk about fat phobia. And to talk about all this with us, I'm really excited to introduce to you Elena Batista. Hi! Hi! <laughs> Who is the coordinator of the nutrition service at Zuriac and is also currently doing her master's here at Catolica in applied management with specialization in leadership development. So welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your academic and professional background? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, um, my name is Elena. I'm 31 years old. Uh, I studied nutrition here in Lisbon and I worked as a nutritionist for four years and then ha I had a, um, the opportunity to be a coordinator of a nutritionist and some other health, health professionals, yeah, um, also for four years. And now, since I'm leading a team, I'm doing my master's to, to, to grow my, my leading skills. And so I would like to start with the little ritual we have, which is that at the end of each podcast episode, our guests ask a question related to equality and leaves it to our next guest. In our last episode, we spoke with Maria João Guedes about women on boards. And the question she left for you is what more can be done in universities to raise awareness for gender equality and just equality in general? Okay, talking about gender equality, maybe since sometimes we women put ourselves uh, in more uh, a vulnerable, vulnerable position, uh, maybe some workshops uh, that women can participate and develop some core skills like assertiveness and public speaking. That's perfect, that sounds perfect. And on to today's topic, fat phobia. For our listeners that maybe have never dealt with this type of situation, fat phobia is the discrimination of larger and overweight people. And nowadays it's very prevalent in recruitment and job applications. A study found that 45% of employers were less inclined to recruit a fat candidate. The first question I have for you, Elena, is do you think that diet culture encourages this narrative of skinny is good and fat is bad? Yeah, actually, yes. Um, just to give you some context, uh, I've always been overweight during most of my life. And uh, since you said fat phobia, that's, that's a good uh, word because since it's a phobia, it has some kind of irrational and non-logical thinking. This is really rooted in, um, in a sense of blame and... Sh and shaming. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and some shaming. Uh, historically... Uh, being skinny was associated with being wealth and having having class. So, uh, and nowadays, uh, with all the the diet culture, um, if you diet and you eat and you eat el uh, well, you can control how long you can live. People mistakenly see higher weight people as refusing or failing to take care of themselves. The, the refusal to take control usually is seen as negative, as if that you didn't try enough or as, as if you are lazy, actually. A good appearance, which is asked in many job appliances, is often is associated with your hair, your makeup, the way you dress, but also your weight. 
and fat, fat people usually face discrimination in the workplace and are less likely to be employed than the, the regular size person, as you said earlier. We live in a diet culture that equates weight to worth, like fat is bad and skinny is good, and tells us that higher weight bodies and people is a problem to be fixed through restri restrictive diets and exercise regimes. I see a lot on the internet that diet culture has been leading to an increase in the cases of body dysmorphia. What is body dysmorphia exactly? So body dysmorphia is uh, seeing your body differently than it, what it actually is. Okay, so if someone thinks that they are experiencing this, um, they should talk to a nutritionist and a therapist, correct? Because it is a mental health issue as well. Yes, exactly. Uh, they should talk. Uh, so it's a matter of perception. So they should talk to a nutritionist uh, so they can track what they eat and to a psychologist to, to, to treat this matter. As a nutritionist, how would you approach a consultation with an overweight patient? Well, firstly, it is essential to understand the goal of the patient because a healthy weight is a gap be between weights. It is not a certain number. So what I think is the ideal weight, maybe it isn't the weight that the patient wants. Um, so firstly, we establish that. And then the developing of the meal plan is done together. Uh, basically, it is a negotiation. Okay, right. And so, as you said, I often see men and women referred uh, to a completely different spectrum of bodies as fat. And sometimes, in my eyes, they don't even seem fat because my perception of fat isn't that person's perception of fat. I wanted to ask, medically speaking, what makes a person be considered fat, meaning what are the factors that contribute to that particular label? So being fat, uh, or actually using the, term, the, the technical term, being overweight, is measured by the body mass index, so BMI, and that relates height to weight. But in my opinion, it, it's kind of reducting because uh, imagine a person that goes to the gym and does some bulking. If you analyze their BMI, that person that is full of lean mass, so full of muscle, they are considered overweight. So we should use other measures. And what other me possible measures are there that could prevent this mislabeling? So clinically, we, we use skin folds, but they are not used on a typical nutrition consultation. And we also can use body fat percentage that gives you a more accurate uh, result. So it is also important that the, that the nutritionists ask the patient what their goals are in relation to their, what they would like their body to look like. Because some athletes, for example, rugby athletes, they don't want their body to be thin because they need the muscle and they need the fat on a daily basis to, for their body to keep up with the training that they do. So is that what you would say? Yes, exactly. You need to analyze each patient as a unique patient. Perfect. Okay. And so do you believe that family and upbringing, social media especially, and school contributes to this discrimination? 
Yes, usually in media, we are more likely to see positive exam examples of higher weight people uh, in men than in women. When it comes to family, a lot of people think that being critical of some, someone's body will help motivate them to change it, but the effect usually isn't that. In fact, shame lowers motivation to exercise, and weight discrimination is positively associated with binge eating and caloric uh, or increased caloric intake. Uh, in my practice as a nutritionist, I've noticed that people, especially women, cope with fat phobia by eating more. And in what places or stages of life have you noticed that fat phobia is most prevalent? Because I remember when I was going through puberty that I just wanted to impress everyone and everything that moved, even myself, honestly. Yeah, personally, I felt it during my practice as a nutritionist, but it's common through puberty because looking good starts to being important among, among other peers. And actually, in the workplace, it's not much different, so... Oh, that's true. So how do you think fat phobia differs between men and women? Because what I have found is that overweight men seem to be perceived as not manly enough, rather than incompetent, which is mostly what I see with women, as if, well, masculinity is measured by the amount of muscles they have and things like that. Yeah, actually, the strongest, the strongest predictors of weight bias are obviously gender and um, the beliefs that thinner bodies are more attractive. So, of course, it differs. Okay, so out of curiosity, I would like to know your opinion on miracle products like Tpuralina and Tummy Talks from your perspective as a nutritionist. Well, the, for, for, in my opinion, they are add-ons. So they work as a booster of your metabolism, but they don't work uh, alone. And what about those meal replacement packets uh, when it comes to fast weight loss? Can you explain what it is? Because I'm not sure I fully understand how they work. So meal replacement is an industrial product that is made to replace a full meal. They are a powder that you add water to it, and they are lower in calories than if, if you would eat an actual food uh, meal. And when it comes to food education, it's not the best because they are essentially a, s a shortcut. And when you come back to actual food, you still consume too many calories and gain weight. So all the weight you are trying to lose eventually <laughs> once you see the results and you come back to regular food you just gain it all back exactly so if you feel comfortable sharing working as a nutritionist how have you experienced fat phobia firsthand in your personal and personal and professional life well the experiences were many but i can share one on that i have on the top of my head that um I used to work in one place that we were two nutritionists and uh, there was a patient that didn't want to be treated by me. Uh, she wanted to be treated by the other nutritionist. Um, and because of that, she didn't uh, see me for a long time. And during this period of time, I lost 12, uh, 12, 12 kilos. Yeah. Uh, 
um, and yeah, that you can see the the loss of 12, 12 kilos in in a person. So then, when when she saw me next, uh, she told me that she she would like to do a consultation with me. So um, I immediately understood that uh, since she saw that I lost some weight, she thought that I was more competent, that I had more skills in my technical profession. Well, that is absolutely ridiculous. What kind of consequences does this negative treatment and reaction from society have on people in general, and how did it affect you as a person? Well, for me as a person, I have a high self-esteem, and I, uh, I didn't take it personally ever. But in some people, it can have long-life negative impacts on a person's mental health and their body image, and also the relationship they have with food. And fat phobia usually is a, a real barrier uh, to many people seeking uh, some support, some emotional support. So at the end of the day, what would you tell someone going through the exact same situation you did, facing fat phobia on a daily basis? Well, the first message is that your weight does not determine who you are as a person. And weight and body size does not determine the health of an individual. Health is much more than body weight. Health is a good physical and mental state of mind. Actually, appreci appreciating your body is the most powerful harmer because if you have a good body image of yourself, uh, n no one can m make fun of you. And also, crucial is that you should have zero tolerance for weight and appearance teasing, okay? Um, for other people, maybe don't assume that fat people are failed thin people. I think that's the best we can take out of today's episode. Everyone that's not fat, just don't think fat people are failed thin people. And if you are a fat or overweight individual, Don't tolerate your so-called friends making fun of you because that is not a true friend. If someone wanted to start their weight loss journey, where could they go? You can find a nutritionist in a hospital or clinics. And at Uriac, we work in pharmacies all over the country. And all of these are good resources. Just make sure to talk to a professional and don't fully trust everything you read on the internet on the subject. As a nutritionist, do you have specific advice for those starting this journey and that maybe don't know how they can eat healthier? So firstly, track your water, water intake because it greatly contributes to your general health. Secondly, increase your fiber intake. Your intestines are your second brain and healthy intestines are a good way to get you on track. Finally, you can write down what you eat. But never count calories, right? Right. Writing down what you eat can make you realize what major mistakes you, are, you might be making. Uh, and because sometimes you don't have the right perception over what you are consuming on a daily basis. Nice. Thank you so much for your advice. Over the past decade, there has been an increasing attempt at representation of overweight individuals in the media, especially in the movies. 
with characters like Fat Amy in Pitch Perfect, which was performed by Rebel Wilson. And we do see actresses like Melissa McCarthy start to have more roles in different movies and TV shows. I wanted to ask if you think that this repetitive portrayal of the funny, fat actress is a good thing or a bad thing towards the cause? So I think it's a good thing in the way that it takes the pressure off the, the fact that being overweight is a thing that society doesn't accept very well, but it's bad in the way that it ridicules the fact that the person is still overweight and maybe and, and she, she or he could have a health problem. I think the main issue is that they are still seen as fat and funny is the only adjective, nice adjective they could used to describe that person instead of sexy, beautiful. It's always funny. It's never anything else. Yeah, it's the way they make the situation a little bit lighter. And influencers. Because I feel like I've been seeing a surge in the past couple of years of more body positive influencers. And the question is, as they promote their supposed healthy lifestyle as a fits all type of solution are they actually making things better slash easier to those suffering from this type of issue in my opinion they are actually making things better but not easier uh, better because society will begin to perceive being overweight as a normal thing but not easier because it's still a, a lonely process and at the end of the day Only you can control and change your weight, and ultimately, your life. On another note, have you ever heard of a duff? No, not really. What does it stand for? Well, it's a term that nowadays is being coined by the younger generation, and it basically means designated ugly fat friend. And it argues that in your friend group, if you can't find that person, it's because it's you. Oh, well, <laughs> that's awful. And I'm sure it will make a dent in the mindset of generations to come. Now that we've talked a little bit about fat phobia in media and in TV, uh, let's move on to the workplace and society. Now that you are transitioning from the healthcare into the business world, well, as a leader, obviously, what would you do if you were made aware of a situation of fat phobia that was happening between two other coworkers? That's a difficult question because you, you want to keep the coworkers happy, but uh, maybe I would sit with the person that is harassing the other and let them know that all coworkers should be treated the same and that the company doesn't allow any type of discrimination, but that, that's difficult to, to handle, actually. So what do you think can be done to combat fat phobia in the workplace and in society as a whole? So since it's a phobia, it is an irrational fear. So to combat this irrational fear, you should increase exposure and close contact with those who live in a larger body. Doing so can reduce attractiveness norms of the ideal thin and leads to greater understanding and accept acceptance of those living in larger bodies. Personally, do you enjoy working more as a nutritionist or as a manager? 
So as a nutritionist, I enjoyed working because I, I had contact with people, like direct contact, and that's the thing that I enjoyed the most. But as a manager, I also do that, so uh, it's a hard question for me. But maybe I would say that my favorite is uh, as a manager because it's more challenging. Uh, just because as a nutritionist, sometimes it, you can get in a rut because the problems uh, are always the same. <laughs> Sorry to say that, but that's true. And as a manager, um, your daily routine is uh, always different. And is this issue of discrimination against those that are overweight something that you would like to see addressed more often amongst healthcare professionals and in the business world as well? I think that uh, that, that matters specifically. Uh, it's a matter of psychology and not specifically nutrition. But uh, I think that nutritionists sh should know how to handle a patient that has been discriminated. Okay, so now we are reaching the end of today's podcast episode. And before we say goodbye to you, we would like for you to take part in the ritual we had at the beginning. And so I'd like to ask you to give us a question you would like to see answered by our next podcast guest. What is it? So my question is, nowadays, what can men still do to contradict the gender stereotypes? Well, Elena, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you for taking time off your day to come discuss this issue with me and help educate our listeners on the subject. It was a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've never been on a podcast before uh, and I have to say I enjoyed it. I'm so glad to hear it. As for our listeners, please feel free to always reach out to us on our social media accounts. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Looking forward to talking to all of you again in two weeks. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe. Bye!